Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to Cafecito con Estrellita. Now, let's get into today's episode. Hola mi gente, welcome back to Cafecito con Estrellita. I hope you're doing well this week. Now, for this week's interview episode, I am so excited and honored to present my really good friend, Vanessa, who is also known as The Business Coach. Now, a little background on Vanessa before we continue on with this interview episode, because I don't want to take another second about it, because her content, her her platica that we both had, actually, was just so enlightening and very moving. So, Vanessa, she attended Mount St. Mary's University. It's in the LA area. She studied for her sociology degree, and right after receiving her degree, she was able to gain so much work experience, just even experience in life to be honest, and with the combination of her hard-working school ethic as well as her chingona work experience, you know, background, it really helped her to get to the position that she is now as a business coach. And, ah, okay, we're going to go ahead and start this episode, and I can't wait for all of you to hear it. Hey, everyone. Well, I feel like Estrella pretty much let you know who I am. My name is Vanessa. Um, I'm a business owner, and most of everybody out there who's listening probably knows me as the business coach, and I focus on small businesses and aspiring entrepreneurs. I help everybody really hone in their industry, and we create business plans for profit. Oh, yeah. And with, I mean, I've checked this girl's website. I've checked her reviews, anything that you can think of. And just, she knows what she's doing. That's all I'm going to leave it at. And she puts in a lot of passion and time and what she does. And I think that's something super important for any small business owner to know about or to any recent college um, graduate that's interested in putting their foot into the entrepreneur world. Because honestly, anything is possible. And I feel like Vanessa is a good example with that. Now, now, before I go into asking her all the juicy questions, cheesemas, college background story, I did want to let you all know. So I had originally planned to start this podcast in the year 2018. Was 2018 or 2019 when we met? 2019. 2019. Perfect. Thank you. And I, she was literally one of the first few, few people, and I mean few, that I told them I wanted to start a podcast in the educational spectrum and the way she just hyped me up the way she completely reassured me obviously something's changed but we'll eventually get into that I don't know if she remembers what I brought up I wanted to do with the podcast too but we'll let you in on that she's too like <laughs> as we keep going but because of that and just having a reassurance from her helped me feel just more empowered especially because after I talked to her about it was literally after I heard her give an empowering speech about her undergrad journey, the struggle she went through, not just in the household and with her guardians, but also with picking her major, finding out what and where she was going to live after college and just all things like that. So Vanessa, I'm going to give you the, the stage, Mike, whatever you want to call it, and go ahead and share some background story of how everything was for you college years till now. Okay, so let's get into it. Let's get into the hot tea. Ooh, I'm holding it wrong. Here we go. So let's see. Let's just start right at the beginning. Um, when I was a senior in high school, 
my plan right off the bat was to move out of my mom's house, move into my grandma's house, find a job, and then enroll into some school part-time because I had no idea what I needed to do for school from what I knew about financial aid, like you needed to have your parents involved. And my mom was just very closed off with me. And like when I started dating, I even asked her like, mom, tell me about your first boyfriend. And she would be like, that's none of your business. So there was no way I thought that she would give me like, you know, her tax returns to show that like, I need financial aid or anything like that. Um, And at the same time, I was already dating my husband. We met in middle school and we started dating when I was a junior. So when I was a senior, we had already been together a whole year. We had already been friends at least like four years. And um, during our relationship, my senior, no, it was my junior year. Um, My mom got, quote unquote, tired of taking me to school, to a school she requested for me to transfer to that was like across town. So my husband used to literally like drive from right next door from our high school all the way to my house, half an hour, and then all the way back. And then he would wait for me to get out of volleyball practice and then bring me home and then go back. So he had always been like very, very supportive of me. But for some reason or another, my mom decided to call him and accuse him of being the reason why I wasn't going to school. Um, And so I had to sort all that out because he called me one day to break up with me and it just made no sense. So as you can tell, I had like a very, what is the word, strained relationship with my mom. And for the majority of my life, too, she had told me like, once you're 18, like you're out of my house. She had told me several times, like, I can't wait to not take care of you, to not be responsible for you. Um, She would tell me, like, you ruined my life. She told me she hated me. So thinking that she was going to support me in school or anything like that after I turned 18, like, no. I knew as soon as I turned 18, she was going to be like, get out. So college for me wasn't something I was going to do right off the bat. But basically, once I told her all that, she realized that basically it was her standing in my way. And she helped me complete the FAFSA so that I can get financial aid. And so part of our deal, too, was that um, I would become a nurse. That was like a safe major. It was a good career. And it is. Nursing is a great career. Um, But I just I did it because I needed her support and and I needed it. I needed her support. I couldn't have done this by myself. So we looked at a few schools and I ended up going to Mount St. Mary's University. And one of the reasons why I ended up going there was because they have a really good nursing major, first of all, but they also gave me the most financial aid. So it was kind of like a no brainer to go there. And then during classes and everything, the support that I thought I was going to get from my mom wasn't at all what I thought. Like she even called me to see how I was doing. So mm-hmm. after about a year and a half, it was the second semester of my sophomore year, I changed majors because I was like, I don't like nursing. Personally, I don't really believe in Western medicine. So being in that field, being in a hospital, taking people's blood pressure, cleaning people's butts, that just, it wasn't something I wanted to do forever. 
and that's just my, my own journey, right? Like that's just not something I'm being called to do. So when I was trying to figure out what I wanted my major to be, I thought about all the classes I had taken and I thought about my favorite ones and I love sociology and I love psychology. And so I ended up majoring in SOCH with a minor in psych with an emphasis on criminology because I really wanted to become my first thing that I wanted to become was like an undercover detective to like get child predators. That's what I really wanted to do. But then once I started taking classes and like learning about like having to do case studies and you're having to read about the abuse, I was like, Oh, there's no way I could do that. And then have people's addresses. Cause I would be like, knock, knock. Hey, I'm here. You know, that kid you're talking to sock, you know? So I was like, I can't do that. Um, so then I decided that I wanted to be a probation officer because I wanted to help people get out of the system. <clears throat> I had a class and it was called the ironies of imprisonment. And it basically just talked about like how messed up the prison system is and like private prisons and like the, all the, everything that goes along with that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to help people get out of the system. So I interned at the Orange County Department of Probation. And within like a couple of months, I knew that if I ever got on probation, there's no way I wouldn't have been sanctioned and had more time added. Just because it's so stringent and they have like so many appointments to go to. So it's like, I don't understand how they expect people on probation to have like a full-time job and get to all these appointments and be on call when your PO wants to drop by. So I was like, okay, this isn't for me. Isn't this isn't for me either because the guy who was mentoring me, he had told me that like, he was kind of like more higher up. And this is like 2009, everybody. Okay. So this is a while ago. And he was talking out at 50,000 and he was literally having to swat up and put on like SWAT gear and go to people's houses when they wouldn't be like checking in and they were like known to be violent. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like five, four, I'm like a Latina girl. And you want me to go SWAT it up to find freaking violent cholos for a maximum of $50,000 a year. No, thank you for like, you know, like, And not just that, but, like, I kind of grew up in that culture. So I'm, like, I'm not trying to piss anybody off and have them come find me for $50,000 a year. Like, no, thank you. So then I was, like, what am I going to do? And I really didn't know what I wanted to do. But I knew that I wanted to basically be on the preventative side of things and not just provide services once things have already happened. So once I graduated, I graduated in 2009 and I got a job as a case manager for the welfare to work program called GAIN. That's what it's called in LA County. And I worked there for about a year and I I learned a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot there. So I was a case manager for their specialized unit. So that means everybody on my caseload was, had one of the following or all of them. A lot of them had all of them. So they were either um, survivors of domestic violence, had um, issues with mental health, they were experiencing homelessness, they were um, 
what is it called? They were like addicted to something or what was the last one? Or they um, had their kids taken away. So if they fell any of those things, they were on my caseload. And on top of that, I was also the homeless liaison for all of LA County. And I was a family reunification caseworker. So these parents who would get their kids taken away, I would basically help them sign up for all the classes they needed to sign up for that the courts ordered so that they can get their kids back. And when I first started, it was in Palmdale, good old Palmdale. And (laughs) I had 42 cases of family reunification. So that means 42 people had their kids taken away. Mm-hmm. And so I started working the cases and I would be calling these people in so we can get them set up for classes. And only like a handful of them called me back. And oh I was just thinking like, wow, that means that there's over 30 kids that are probably just going to get lost in the system because their parents, I don't know what's going on with them, but they can't get it together enough to, to even try to get them back. So that was so heartbreaking, Um, but it was a really, really good introduction to social services, that's for sure, Um, and from there, I transferred over to Orange County, and I got a job at a mentoring organization for kids, and Mm. that's kind of where I was for about 10 years while my husband and I were building the construction company. That's amazing. And I just got to say, you. so you can pretty much agree with me that it's like, even after you graduate with your bachelor's degree, you can find yourself in different job areas, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I had liked sociology, because I could get basically a master in anything that I want. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, so I was just like, well, this is like a really good introduction to a lot of things and a really good foundation because I feel like for the most part, understanding society and how it works and the structures is like good for any industry, like marketing. Like, could you imagine marketing, a marketer having a background in sociology and psychology? Like they would kill it. So yeah, Yeah. you you could do so many different things. No, and that's awesome. See, even I didn't know that a sociology degree could eventually somehow lead you to dress up in a SWAT team gear up and go into houses to try and like (laughs) bring kids back into their homes. Oh my goodness. Now you had all those challenges. And now I was curious while you were experiencing those challenges, did you also experience any challenges like I would say finance financially after undergrad, like where did you find yourself living while you were taking on like these really enormous, like job loads? Um, so right. Okay. So I dormed. So the debt that I got into for school was all for dorming, but because as I previously mentioned, I really didn't have a place to live for me. That was the smartest thing to take out student loans to live on campus because then I wouldn't have to worry about commuting. I got the food plan at the cafeteria, so I didn't have to worry about food. So it was just really convenient for me, especially since I had no idea really what to expect. It was just like, it's kind of like an all-inclusive when you go like on vacation, like everything is just there and it's convenient. So I did that for two years. Um, But as you know, when you're dorming, you don't dorm there all year. You have to go back home during summer or during winter. 
So basically during the summers, I would live with my, my boyfriend, who's my, my husband, we would live together at his parents' house. Um, and after those two years, I was just like, you know what? I don't want to take out more student debt um, because I had already done the math. And I was like, it's going to take me 10 years to pay this off. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to take on any more debt. So my grandparents, um, in my opinion, they raised me like I consider them my parents. I call my grandma my mom. Um, so they had a guest house that basically was just sitting with a bunch of empty boxes. So I was like, hey, can I come live there and I'll pay you rent? And they were just like, yeah, come. And so I started and they um, they told me that I would have to pay $600 a month, which is like, yes, please. That's like, you know, and I get my grandma's cooking. Like they weren't charging me utilities. They weren't charging me anything like that, you know? And she even said, see me, heaven. I'll just throw more water in the beans and there'll be enough for all of us. So like, uh, and I know she liked having me there too, because she would always cook my favorite food. So it was really nice living there. I loved it. And so I feel like they gave me, so when I first started, they kind of told me like, oh, like, don't, you don't have to worry about paying us this month, pay us next month. Like when I first moved in. So I kind of, I, in like looking back, I feel like they were trying to like test me out to see if I was really going to school, like if I was partying, like what was going to be this vibe here, you know? And so, yeah, they saw that basically all I did was go to school and work. Like I would leave six, seven in the morning, come back seven, eight, sometimes 10 o'clock at night. And I was just working, going to school and doing all my homework. So they basically were like, oh, we're not going to take any money from you. So they didn't charge me rent until I graduated. So it was like a huge blessing for them to do that for me because then I switched from doing work study, which is like when you can work on campus and the money you earn, they'll either like pay you or they'll just apply it to your tuition. So I had them applying it to my tuition. So I had no cash. So the last two years, I got a paid internship. So between the paid internship and my grandparents not charging me rent, I was able to save money and pay my books and like pay all the fees and like do all the stuff, you know, um, and still like kind of party too. me and my husband kind of party a little bit. Thankfully, like he weighed, he made way more money than I did. Like he wasn't in school. So he was always paying for all of our dates and everything. And, um, yeah, that's kind of how I lived through all that. And um, at one point, one of my sociology professors, Dr. Hart, shout out to freaking Sandy Hart, you're badass. I love you. Like, till this day, she's my favorite professor. I love Dr. Sandy Hart, Mount St. Mary's. Hey. Um, and she gave me such amazing letters of recommendation, too, by the way, when I graduated. Like, there's a tip. Definitely get some letters of rec from your professors because they go a long way, especially if you don't have work experience. Um, so she was telling us a story about how I believe it was one of her nieces basically bought herself a house once she graduated from college because she was working full time and she saved her financial aid money as much as she could. So I was like, I'm going to do that. So as soon as I graduated, I started looking for a house and I had to wait up for a little bit. And like when I was 
23, I think. So I graduated when I was 21. And I think when I was 23, I was already in escrow for my first condo. Oh, wow. So I was going to buy a one-bedroom, two-bath condo in Fullerton. It was so cute, and it was only $99,000. So I was going to buy it using the FHA loan. And using the FHA loan is like a federal housing assistant type of loan to help people get into homes. Because when you get an FHA loan, you only have to put 3.5% down instead of 20%. So if my house was 100000 I only had to put down 3500 plus closing costs. Or if I was getting like a conventional loan, it would have been $20,000. So obviously saving $3,500 is way easier than saving $20,000. So that's what I was doing. So between the the down payment, the closing costs, how much I would need for renovations, I basically had the money to do it, but I was going basically all in. So during inspections, some things needed to get fixed and the sellers weren't willing to fix it. And the lender wasn't going to give us the loan unless it was fixed. And since I was basically all in already, I was like, well, I can't afford to fix it. So we had to close escrow. So a couple years later, um, my husband and I decided to combine our credit and our money, and we bought a house together. So when I turned 25, we bought a two-bedroom, one-bath in Long Beach. And it was literally like my dream home. Like I manifested it because I wanted a Spanish house with arches and a lot of windows. And that's exactly what I got. And I love that. Oh my goodness. 25 year old homeowner with your hubby, your little perritos, Frank Mm -hmm. and Rogue. Girl, your hustle and you're still hustling too right now is like you're making your dreams happen. And that's the most important thing. Now, speaking of living up your dreams, having a husband that just supports you and doesn't just support you, but also like contributes to making the dream happen. Can you give me and other mujeres any advice on the whole topic when it comes to asset and liability? Because I know we've definitely talked about it in regards with like hustling, picking a partner. Come on, girl. Let us know. Okay. So before we get into all that, no, let's get into that first. Okay. So me and Estrella had this whole conversation at one point because me and her be spilling the tea on the side that we don't record for you. And picking a life partner is really important because you could be running uphill in mud and doing everything you can, but if that person next to you isn't putting in that same effort, you're going to be trying to drag them up that muddy-ass hill, and you'll probably go forward, but you'll end up going back. And I've seen this so many times like with my own friends where you know so and so is working so hard to save money he wants to get a house you know this and that paying off debt but then he starts dating a girl who likes coach and wants expensive things and oh well I have to buy her this for valentine's day or she's gonna get mad I start seeing people sometimes, and it's like the business in me, as like assets and liabilities. And so that's kind of like looking at your portfolio. So assets are good things, and liabilities are bad things. 
So assets would be like home. It's things that have equity. It's things that give back to your life. Liabilities are like car payments. It's debt. It's basically things you put your energy into and you really don't get anything back. And that applies to relationships, literally with anybody, because like you can be with energy vampires too. But really when you are trying to choose your life partner, looking at little things like that and seeing whether or not they're an asset or a liability. Like how do they respond to your successes? How do they respond when you share your dreams with them? Unfortunately, one of my friends is in a relationship and her boyfriend straight up told her like, who do you think you are to be X, Y, and Z? You just need to be in the house. Like, how do you think you're going to be a good wife for me? If you're basically chasing your dreams and trying to make yourself happy. And so obviously somebody like that is a huge liability if you're trying to succeed in life and move forward and really go after your dreams. So me and Jason, we've been together since we were 16 years old and both sides of our families told us like that we were too young, that it was puppy love. Um, My mom was always like, boys are a distraction. But I believe that like, I mean, this guy took me to school in high school. You know what I mean? So I really feel like we need to give our kids more trust, more responsibility, allow them to get those skills that they need to juggle school, practice, jobs, relationships, so that they can learn how to be like a whole person and not learn how to be a partner when they're like ready to settle down. So I don't really like play into that myth that like having a boyfriend, having a girlfriend, having a partner is a distraction because if it's the right person, they're not going to be a distraction. Like my husband knows, like I'm recording a podcast. He's not asking me to do anything. He's not knocking, saying like, are you almost done? Are you almost done? Or like, oh, we're in Vegas for our anniversary. Don't be doing that. Like he's entertained watching football right now because he knows this is something that's important to me. So he's going to be supportive and we're going to go play top golf after this. So yeah, I definitely think that everybody should look at whether or not their life partner is an asset or a liability. No, of course. And speaking of all that, what are your thoughts on like women that, you know, let's say they want to wait to get married when they're older because they want to spend their time in their twenties, just grinding, finding them, all that stuff. Do it. I mean, my, I think like people like to pretend that my relationship's like all perfect. And I don't know why they think that. Cause I never like, I'm like, my relationship's great. It's so perfect. Um, because like in your 20s, Girl, you got your little doggy, you got your boo thing, your house, huh? you know, and then you're so humbled and like, <laughs> so I would think the same t- thing too, honestly, you know, but, but it's isn't like, it, sorry, it's go a on. real relationship though. So like, yeah, and that's what makes it 20s, perfect or beautiful. <laughs> like in our twenties, like everybody changes, like, and like people change so much. Like they say that your brain's not fully mature until you're 25. So could you imagine? And like me and Jason were together since we were 16. So there was a part where he was 18 and was able to go to Tijuana and get drunk with all our friends. And I couldn't. And there is a part where he was 21 and can come to Vegas with all of our friends. And I couldn't. So there was like a lot of, a lot of growing, a lot of growing pains. Um, but for somehow or another, we were able to always grow together because we always had the same long-term goals. 
So, yes, in your 20s, like, have fun. Don't even trip. Like, let the guys figure it out on their own because I really feel like once they're in their late 20s and their 30s, they really have, like, a good grasp of, like, who they are, what they're looking for. Um, So I would say definitely take the time to do that because, for me, I took the time to do that in college, and it was life-changing, like... Like, if you knew me in high school and you knew me now, you would say I'm, like, two two completely different people because I took the time to learn, to heal, and give myself the space to become the person that I wanted to be. And that's beautiful. Girl, would you believe me that? So before I got into my long-term relationship, that also ended last year, (laughs) um, I so I'm talking, like, early, early ages, Rita, so I want to say, like, 17 years old would you believe me if I told you that I dated this guy that literally told me I take school too seriously huh. yeah I feel like you'd be like um I'm over here like doing all these gestures that you can't even see <laughs> no like yeah, literally- girl, um no obviously as you know he did not get a phone call back yeah. <laughs> so um I wanted to ask though because obviously I got like a shady comment like that by someone that was trying to like, I don't know, win me over. Um, During your college time with the times that you were with Jason, um, how was he, like, was he as open with you completing your assignments instead of always hanging out with him? Or did he learn that as you guys kept growing together, as you mentioned? Um, Well, I was in LA and he was in Orange County. So it was like an hour drive. And I think it had to do more with my schedule than anything, but we only saw each other on the weekends. Oh, but that's normal. That's like a nine to five type of lifestyle in a sense. Okay. Um, Right? So I don't know. I'm like, cause I mean, in high school we were together every single day. So when we were in college, it was like a huge change. Like he used to walk me to every single class. He used to carry my books for me. So we went from that to only seeing each other on the weekends. So it was, he was like super like, oh, you're going to cheat on me when you go to college. And I'm like, bro, I'm going to an all girls school, like relax. Um, so, yeah, I feel like the whole like distance makes the heart fonder thing was like totally played into our favor. And being away and having him like he never has hounded me like to like pay attention to me or like you haven't texted me back. But also, I was also, like, really good at communicating with him. So, like, he knew my schedule. Like, he knew, like, oh, on Tuesdays, she's going to be in class from 8 a.m. to fucking 4 p.m. And then she has work from 6 to 10. So, she's probably not going to text me and call me a lot today. So, he never made me feel like I had to choose or that, like, I wasn't giving him enough time. But he was also working. So... I feel like that helped as well. It's not like he was just sitting at home, not doing anything. He was also busy. Okay. That makes sense. And I just wanted to take a few steps back because um, mi gente, you didn't get to see, but Vanessa looked at me like, I don't know. When I asked her, that's normal, right? Because I have never been in a dating situation or relationship where I see the person every day. I only get the weekend. So that's why to me, it was so like, foreign I was like what yeah Yeah. (laughs) I mean I don't know if it's good I don't know if it's bad all I know is that I was always like a workaholic slash trying to find myself slash I don't know 
You know, that's where it goes back to like how you said your twenties is just the time to explore. Yeah. And like, I wanted to study abroad and everything and he was like super down, but I just couldn't afford it. So my booty stayed home, but there was a program in Australia that I really wanted to do. So, I mean, even while even being together in what I consider like a very serious relationship, I mean, at this point we're together four or five years. Um, yeah, he was never like, don't go to Australia. He was just like, well, that's really cool. I didn't know you could do that. And, you know, he's just always been like really supportive of whatever it is that I want to do. And that's awesome. I was going to ask, where did you learn your communication skills? Because from how you're sharing it, it seems like you've been in tune with that since a young age. Um, so I'll give you the short version but I'm going to plug in another podcast from Anel Bold Ascension. I did a podcast with her where I go super into depth about it. But um, basically when I was younger, I just felt like my voice wasn't heard. So I always promised myself like once I was older and I was an adult, like I was going to speak up for myself. And I was going to say what was on my mind and I wasn't going to let people walk over me or take advantage of me. And plus, I mean, going to school really helped me and I've never been afraid of like public speaking. And I mean, I grew up at the swap meet with my grandma and I mean, I've shared this so many times, but like I was literally that kid in front of the stand, like telling people, so I feel like I've been talking for a really long time, so it comes out natural to me. I'm not sure, but I think the fact that Jason and I have also grown up together, we totally understand each other's communication skills and, like, how we need to communicate with each other. So now that we, like, own a business together and I have the business coaching on the side, like, we've had to implement, like, a whole new scheduling system where, like, all of my schedules are in one place so that if he's scheduling meetings for us, like, he knows what my availability is and stuff like that. So we've just really have just had to, like, learn how to pivot, too, to best communicate with each other as like the phases of our relationship come and go. Cause there was a point in time too, where he was working in Texas. We had a project in Texas and he was out there for like, I want to say like almost three years. Oh, wow. Was he yeah. flying back and forth a lot? Um, not really. I was the one going out there to see him like once a month, once every other month. Cause I was also still working. So it was it. And then like, once you run out of vacation days, there's nothing you can do, you know? Yeah, definitely. Um, So, like, during that time, it was, like, there was a time difference. So, like, I always had, like, 7 o'clock just carved out for him to make sure, like, I would take that call. So I prioritized our marriage in, like, in ways like that. And I think that's what's always been able to keep us, like, together and growing together. No, definitely. And, hey, that's why you marry your best friend. I've heard this saying... Yes, I've heard this saying before that don't get married because you're in love. Get married to your best friend. What do you have to say about all that? Um, I agree because to make a relationship work, it needs to be more than just love and it needs to be more than just lust. 
because that changes. And Jason and I have been together now 17 years. So take it from me. Like it changes. Like there's sometimes we're like so in love with each other. Like you would think like we just started dating, can't keep our hands off of each other. And then there's just sometimes where we look like we've been together for 17 years and we're just walking next to each other, you know? So you definitely need to be with the person and settle down with the person who you can be goofy with, you can laugh with, where you have not every interest similar, but that you have enough things in common that you can enjoy together. But also there's enough differences in each other that you can keep each other like on your toes. Because if you're exactly the same, it's going to be really boring. And me and Jason are like completely opposite. So I also think that's why our relationship has always like just been not so like I don't want to say easy but it has been easy because like how you say like we're we're best friends like I have the most fun when he's around like if I go somewhere and he's not there like I wish he was there because I would have more fun if he was there um so yeah I would definitely marry your best friend because lust especially like I was just asking you before this like if anybody out there watches 90 day fiance like how about Sinjin and I can't remember her name right now when he admitted that he was in a lust bubble and that's why he got married. So like, that's totally true too. And like, I forget how the saying goes, but sometimes good sex really can make you feel like you're in love and make it make you make really bad decisions. So no, yeah, don't, definitely don't settle down just cause the uh-uh, it's good, you know? Yeah. And that's why it's also important to remember too: work on your communication, work on yourself. And I know communication is such a big thing to you, but I find it so beautiful that you had said that since you were a little girl, communication was something you wanted to achieve. You wanted to be able to voice yourself because you never had a voice. And I love that so much because I know myself and other Latinx individuals, when they had like rocky paths in their childhood adolescence years the first thing that would go into their mind including myself is watch when I'm a parent I'm not going to be tough da, 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 like that mm-hmm. but honestly you are the first person I've met as of now that has said when I grow up I'm going to work on my communication <laughs> isn't that interesting I'm sure you that heard of that because haven't you heard that like when you had a rough childhood, the first thing you think of is I'm going to have kids. I'm not going to treat them like that. Obviously mm-hmm. not everyone does. I mean, I don't have kids, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And no, it's I've like, definitely had those, those, those moments where I was like, I would never do that to my kids or I don't understand how a mother could do that to their kids. I've had all those moments. Oh yeah. And it's, it's crazy. And speaking of kids, how are Frank and Rogue? Your little They're cuties. They're out here in Vegas with us. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Well, because we're at the Cosmo, the Cosmo's our favorite hotel and we're not sponsored by the Cosmo, by the way, but if you want to sponsor us, we'll totally take it. Um, they're dog friendly. So we brought them with us. That is so wonderful. Did you have any of them during your college times? No, but having an English bulldog was one of the things that was always on my bucket list. It was one of the things I always wanted. I always like you could ask so many people like from high school and like college. Like I would always be like, I'm going to have an English bulldog because we have the same butts because they have big old butts. And when they walk around their little butt, just like waddles around. 
And so I had told my husband, like, when we move into a house, I'm going to get an English bulldog. And he was just like, okay, whatever. So we moved into a house and I asked our roommate, like, hey, do you mind if I get a dog? He didn't. And so I got my first English bulldog. Yeah. I love that. And (laughs) I just love how everything that you've said you've always wanted, you have now. When you look back, did you ever think that would happen? Yeah. And why did you have, how did you just know it was going to happen? Um, it was just one of those things that you, I had to learn at a very young age that if I wanted anything, I had to do it myself. And so there was a lot of things that I couldn't do because I was a kid and I was 18. So I knew like once I was 18 and I could make all my own decisions, um, I just had to get over the fear of disappointing my mom and I would do what I want to do to make myself happy. And so, yeah. And it's cool because me and my husband, we literally make lists of things we want to do, like experiences that'll bring like joy to our lives and we just do it. So we're actually talking about, and I've actually been messaging some Airbnbs. We might be moving to Texas next month in November for a month. Look just at because. that. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I'm assuming Rogue and Frank are coming along. Yes, they're coming with us because the my my dream would just to be like living on the road because we don't have kids. And like everything's remote right now. So when else are we going to get an opportunity to do something like this? So I've been trying to convince him to basically let's just move to Mexico and live everywhere. I so love we're it. Just, we're just going to do a couple mini trips in the U.S. to see how we do and how the dogs do. And then we'll decide when, where, and what. No, but those are course. our next adventures. So that's something I've always wanted to do. Live no. somewhere else. I've always wanted to own, like, land in Mexico in the motherland. <laughs> Connect with your roots and everything. Oh, my yes. goodness, Vanessa. I love just your persona and i i can already tell you once this episode airs you're just you're going to move a lot of a lot of mujeres a lot of mujeres that are in grad school undergrad or even just trying to dip their toe into the entrepreneurial world because you know as you know yourself right after college we're always just we're thinking okay what job should we do should i start dating now da, da, da. and everything you had to say is just it connects to so many i could see why you get invited to give a lot of talks. <laughs> and I just want to remind everybody too, who's in school. Um, if you are struggling with money, like I was, and you can't find an internship that pays, but you need to do an internship, consider opening up your own business because there is such a demand for like social media managers, literally just virtual assistants. And I bet you everybody listening has a certain skill that they could monetize on. And instead of getting paid a minimum wage over at freaking Del Taco, you can get paid 20, 30 bucks being a social media manager where you set your own hours, you set your own days, and you're not at somebody's mercy like, oh, can I have this weekend off? No, you're your own boss. And if you need help, let me know and I will be glad to help you. Um, drop your info. Yeah, that's what I do. Okay. So let me drop my info. So, um, just FYI too, 
For COVID, I drastically cut the prices on my business plan. So they're originally $1,500, but because of COVID, I um, reduced them down to $500. And if you mention this podcast, I'll hook you up even more. So make sure you mention this if you reach out to me. You can reach out to me at, you can reach out to me on my website, thebusinesscoach.com. And that's B-I-Z-N-E-S-C-O-A-C-H.com. You can follow me on Instagram, same thing, at The Business Coach. Um, you can email me if you just want to go straight direct to that inbox, Vanessa at TheBusinessCoach.com. And I love it. And honestly, guys, she's very good at responding. I've experienced it and you'll just be blown away at the one-on-one session she will be giving you. And once again, Vanessa, I want to thank you so much for being part of this episode and happy marriage anniversary to you and Jason. How many years married? How many years married? Um, Seven. We got married in 2013. So seven years married. That's when I graduated high school. Oh my gosh. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. Okay. That is so cute. Yes, definitely. All right, my dear. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, mi gente, for sticking through and I'll catch you on the next one.